Good morning, everybody. Monday morning, game week morning to everybody. I'm Blake Monroe, and I'm joined by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On Texas, or both of Inside Texas and On Three. And this is uh, coffee and football as we get ready here. We're five days away from kickoff, guys. It's a big week, obviously. Sark has a presser at 11 a.m. We got a special guest coming on here in just a little bit. But- oh, boy. <laughs> But before we get to the special guest, I got a question for y'all. Will Sark drop the depth chart today? <laughs> Jerry, go for it. Based on last year, no. Uh, I don't that I was Joe Cook hit me up and he were t- he was texting me about it yesterday. I don't think they dropped it till game day last year when Joe was in the press box prior to the game. Um so you got to go with no based on that, but we'll find out in 3 hours. Um Roughly three hours. If they're going to drop the depth chart, the media will get that before the press conference starts. So probably about 1045, 1050, we'll know uh, for sure if Steve Sarkeesian's dropping that depth chart on Texas fans today. Bobby, what do you got on that? <laughs> I'm I'm ready for it, man. I hope he does it today. Uh, you know, the other thing that we, we need to talk about is uh, inside Texas, you, uh, you and Eric Nalene were talking about it last night. You guys have both heard, Jerry, that Cedric Baxter – continues to make a run uh, in this uh, situation right now. Not necessarily to the top of the depth chart, uh, but he's doing really well. Uh, the other thing for me, guys, that I'm looking for from Steve Sarkeesian today is just any kind of nuggets he has about which freshmen are going to not are going to definitely play this year. Uh, we expect Anthony Hill, the linebacker. We expect Manny Muhammad, Jontae Cook, DeAndre Moore, uh, some guys like that, but Cedric Baxter, uh, should be in there as well. What about Colton Vosick? Is he gonna? Did he end up getting a, a second team spot at the other defensive end? Uh, Derek Williams, Jelani McDonald. The list goes on and on. Uh, so I'm I'm ready to hear exactly what he has to say today at that 11 a.m. press conference. Yeah, no question about it. You know he's gonna get uh, he, he's gonna get quarterback questions, right? I mean, not it, 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 the starters known. He's gonna get a question about the number two quarterback. Somebody's going to ask it. So that one will be interesting uh, to me. Somebody asked about recruits. Uh, well, Trey Johnson, five-star, number four-ranked basketball player in the country is on campus for his second official visit to Texas. So there's one five-star on campus. Somebody asked about Dominant McKinley. <clears throat> Look, we're in holding pattern until September 1. I can tell you that Dominic and his family talked to Texas yesterday. The communication continues. Uh, and that was not text. That was a phone call. Uh, so the communication continues with Texas. So there's not any signs out there on my end that Texas is slipping or losing ground headed in uh, to this announcement. Um, but we don't, still don't have a time for Dominic McKinley's announcement. I think that'll come out in the next couple of days. It had gone from a social media announcement a couple, three hours before the game against Melvin Hills and that team, uh, Lafayette Christian, Friday to Five hats on the table announcing for local news. But we don't have a time yet for that. But school gets out over there about 2.45. Um, so I'm guessing that announcement, unless it's a mid-morning announcement, is going to be around 3.30 or 4, uh, be- you know, three hours before the game. So latest on Dominant McKinley, Texas, really good communication. Texas A&M's right there in that, uh, we believe. He really likes Larry Johnson, Ohio State, and Todd Bates from Oklahoma. Those are probably too far away. I think LSU may have to pull a rabbit out of their hat late on this one right now, but this is a commitment signing days in December. Hey, we got to talk about uh, something else, guys, that came out over the weekend. And, Blake, you you did some research on this. 
yesterday uh, for, for this show. Looks like five and a half plays were shaved off uh, from a regular season game. If you take the USC Notre Dame game and the other games that were played this weekend based on the NCAA's new clock rule. Jerry, that that averages to about one possession yep. per game, not per team, just what, but just one possession. If that's the case, these clock rules might not have that much effect on final season stats and scores, but one possession is one possession. So uh, expect a slightly shorter game uh, with, uh, with less uh, plays per game. That will mean that uh, possibly uh, you won't, have you won't need as much depth late in the year right but uh still uh, we'll have to wait and see how that goes but five and a half snaps per game cut uh over the weekend yeah no doubt and, and i i hadn't done enough on that was that per, bobby i th- uh, thought that was per team <clears throat> no i think it's 63 plays per game versus 68 okay and because and right. since both teams play that is five five per per team yeah but uh, yeah maybe, maybe uh, hey blake question yeah. for you was that per team or was that was that uh because it could be per offensive snap that's what i think it was per offensive snaps for each team so I cutting think, five yeah. off each would be one yeah. possession i'm sorry that's yeah. 10 that's that's more significant than i thought yeah, yeah so it says seven game sample with an average of 63.3 plays per game and an average duration of three hours and 24 minutes Last season, the average was 68.7 plays per game, average duration of three hours and 27 minutes. So it took off about three minutes of the game, game actual game time, and then uh, 5.4 plays per game. Per, per, I, per, I, per, I, per I do think that's per team, though. I yeah, do per offense. Yeah. That's, that's, that's significant. Yes. That's, that's almost a, a possession and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's too, too much. So, so, for instance, USC, San Jose State. Uh, USC ran 69 plays offensively. San Jose State play, ran 66. So, th- they're running total 135 plays without special teams. Um, so, yeah, losing five play, 5.7 plays, 5.5 plays each per team. That is right on track with what the people were predicting. That's one position possession per game. Um, for running teams who can dominate the ball running, that's going to end up being two position, possessions for their opponents lost. Sorry, um, guys, trying, right. to, <laughs> trying to figure a couple of things. Yeah, out we've got we've got a special guest that's actually in the the studio right now, but we can't get his camera on uh, right now, guys. So that's what Blake is trying to do. Hey, Jerry, talk a little bit uh, right now uh, about Parker Livingstone and his yeah. game this weekend. He's not the only one, uh, but if you see this scroll running across the bottom of the screen guys what a day for parker livingstone three touchdowns receiving a 52 yard touchdown pass and i didn't even put this in the scroll below he had a 98 yard kick return that was called back he just went off have yourself a day parker livingstone he's the recruit of the week for on texas football yeah bobby was a great idea to have our recruit of the week here to begin our mondays with coffee and football Hey, it's kind of fitting. He had a Jackson Shipley-like game, and we had Jackson Shipley on the show <laughs> Friday. I mean, that's a Jackson Shipley-like game at the high school level. Uh, I thought the one thing Parker Livingstone, look, he works with margin hooks, and I hate to keep giving margin all the credit, but he deserves all the credit. And I'm not taking the credit away from kids. But guys that work with margin 
have a real understanding of this position. And and Parker's put in work with uh, Margin off and on for the last two years, really got into it with him again this summer after baseball season ended. <clears throat> All those guys that work with Margin understand how to gear down. And if you can gear down, you create separation. And if you can gear down, you make people miss in space. And that's one the area that Margin is so good teaching these kids is how to gear down. And Parker Livingstone, he geared down on people in that game. Whether Even on that kickoff return, boom, hit the crease, gear down, make a shifty move right, right? He understands how to sink his hips. He's got good enough feet to where he can change direction and then show some acceleration. Uh, but look, they played him off coverage. And if you don't reroute him and get your hands on him, a guy that knows how to run routes, he's going to eat you alive at the high school level. And that's exactly what he did if you got somebody to get you the ball. And defensively, we don't have the stats. I would talk more about this. Jordan Johnson Rebel, four-star safety out of IMG, committed to Texas. He had a really good game against St. Joe's uh, Saturday. Uh, he had yeah, he had a 15-yarder hitting laid out of bounds. That's okay. Um, but he made a lot of physical plays from the safety position. Uh, again, a guy that is going to play above his ranking, guys, because he's only 5'10 and 180 and blah, blah, blah. A lot like Jalen Catalan, though, some of these guys just know how to make plays. They're around the football, and they're natural playmakers, and I think that's what Jordan Johnson Rebell is. Not saying he's going to be a freshman All-American like Catalan. I'm saying they're recruiting profile similar, Bobby. Got it. Uh, Eric Nalini just texted me and said the, the team scoop is up on InsideTexas.com, so if you have a subscription, make sure you check that out uh, this morning. Uh, hey, guys, uh, Jerry, the, the thing that I'm thinking, we're, we're five days out, right? Yeah. We've got the we've got a situation where we're waiting to see what he does and what uh, Steve Sarkeesian decides to do with uh, the uh, uh, with the depth chart. We've got we know that we're expecting some changes on the interior at offensive line. We're kind of waiting to see if David Benda held off Anthony Hill here late. We're interested in what happens at running back position. Uh, any any. Things that you the backup quarterback spot has been you know questioned right now. Are there any other things that you're thinking about this uh, press conference that you want to comment on right now? Yeah, I think um, I think the cornerback position is one for me. Gavin Holmes, Terrence Brooks, right? Um, that one continues to be a, a battle late. Um, you know, I'm, I'm one of the things I'm looking at if a depth chart is released is. Um, you know, is Cole Hudson officially number two at center, right? Is Connor Robertson three? Where's Neto? Um, is there how many ors are there and at what positions? I, I think is a big one, right? I mean, that that's kind of telling. Um, but now I, I think also defensive line, how that's gonna shake out. Um, I mean, will all will there be eight guys listed on the depth chart at defensive line? Because I think Texas, they're gonna play six, but I think they have eight capable bodies and players right now that they feel comfortable with putting in the game for even two or three snaps at a time, like a Sadir Mitchell uh, uh, against the, a team that runs the ball. Um, so that, I think that's going to be interesting because D tackle to depth is more than what we thought headed in the fall camp guys. And that to me is pretty good sign for Texas because that's a position where you don't want injuries, but you can withstand an injury or two because some young guys are coming on. Well, guys, while we try to get this worked out where we can get our guests on the show, let's go ahead and take a question since we were talking about Parker Livingstone. 
And Brandon Huey says that he is the man. Could he be the third receiver next year behind Cook and Moore? He thinks he's better than Casey Kane. He's more athletic than Casey Kane. He's better. He's better in space movement skills wise. Um, you know that. So look, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, somebody said compared him to Quentin Johnson. He's not that athlete. Quentin Johnson's a freak now. Um, Quentin Johnson was a 6'11", seven foot high jumper um, that had elite elite speed and quickness. Uh, could he be third receiver next year? I mean, all that depends on who goes pro and who returns. Yeah. I mean, he could take – if Nayor goes pro, you would think he would compete with Casey Kane for right. the big receiver spot. And it, and then you got – then who, who's Texas getting out of the portal? Because they're going to get a wide out out of the portal. I, the other thing, Jerry, that, that they did that I thought was impressive in, in that watching uh, uh, Parker Livingstone, I mean, he, he made a couple of 50-50 catches. He, he, he ran away from some guys. So I know he's on the, the, the relay team at Lovejoy, but he ran away from some guys for being that tall. He made some moves. He's got a little bit niftier feet than than maybe some people gave him credit for. Uh, he certainly had a a uh, hello game in his. What, what he's, he's better than his ranking right now on on three. I think you and I can agree with that. Where he should be ranked is going to be up to the you know the 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 determiner determination of others. But Bobby, he's not the eighty fifth best receiver in the country. We're forgetting the most important thing. He did it against College Station High. So Parker Livingstone won AM zero to start the year. <laughs> I mean, uh, he got to throw up the hook him on Aggie fans in the stands a few times uh, for a uh, Saturday. Uh, but yeah, I think that here's the thing with Parker too. Last year, he was he was maybe the number he was the number two or number three guy because Kyle Parker was on that team and he drew the double bracketed coverage right. And then they also had. Um, oh gosh, I was Jackson Lavender, a super fast kid who's at SMU. So Parker was one of three talented receivers. Now, here's what's going to happen for him the rest of the year after he just goes for 12 and 252. He just opened up the field for James Lott's son, who's a young, talented wide receiver. So he's now going to get all the coverage. So he just now opened up a lot of opportunities for his teammates. And I think that may change the way teams play him uh, because, you know, they were playing off coverage. I saw some flat-footed safeties against him. That's not going to get it done. So now they're going to have to change the coverage, and now that just opened up uh, James Lott's son to have some real opportunities because James Lott's kids are very talented. Hey, Jerry, based on the Inside Texas report this morning, I continue to hear that I think that Jonathan Brooks and said Baxter should rotate each series in the backfield. I would like to see them both get at least between 150 and 175 carries this season. Uh, boy, uh, if they get that much work out of a true freshman and are able to save Jonathan Brooks' durability for late in the year, I, I think that that combo could be what we're looking at uh, for Texas this year and, and be really, really special. Yeah, no question about it. And look, if that's – if Cedric Baxter – ripping past early expectations, um, that's a positive for Texas because that means Jonathan Brooks does not have to be overused, like you said, the first half of the season. Uh, and I agree with David Williams. I, I see a scenario where those guys both could have around equal carries. Um, obviously, Jonathan Brooks has the experience, and we'll see uh, if everybody's healthy here. I'm sure Sark will talk about that in a couple hours. He'll be asked about it. Um, but, you know, look, when Sark 
you said it, brought up Cedric Baxter's name in pass protection along with Jonathan Brooks and Keelan Robinson last week. That was kind of a trigger for all of us. If you got to trust those guys in pass protection, especially if you're going to run more 11 personnel. So if they're trusting Cedric Baxter in pass protection, we know he's got the rest of the goods. That's a really that's a sign he's going to play a lot, guys. Hey, this is a good question because I think it's important, um, and one of the reasons why kids do commit early before their senior season. Uh, from Texas 0311, if a kid commits now, gets hurt next week, is his scholarly guaranteed? I remember Saban pulling a scholarly the day before signing day on a tight end, their longest commit a few few years ago for no reason. That is different. They would be ridiculed from top to bottom. Yeah. If you pull a scholarship on a guy that's been uh, a guy who's been hurt, it's one thing to say, "Hey, I think you're you're not the best fit here because of your athlete athleticism." But if you've taken a commitment and then he, uh, the player becomes quote unquote damaged goods and don't follow through on that, yeah, that would be to me. That's I, I would even have to write an article about that. I think. <laughs> oh no! I mean, I, I, because that's that's. The, you're talking about these kids, uh, future academics, the whole the whole nine yards. If you take a commitment and then don't follow through, because the one thing you got to remember, there are medical scholarships available. So if he has a career ending injury, you can still put him on scholarship and he doesn't count against your 85 man limit. Somebody said, remember Kevin Shorter from Newton. Exactly. That's a great one. Hey, I bring oh, Darian Brown, Darian Brown. Yep, From Georgia. Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ryan Nelson. Uh, he has something on Cedric Baxter I want to get into because I don't I don't I don't disagree, but I also don't fully agree on this. And I think it's a great topic of discussion. There's been some really highly ranked running backs that came out of high school. That's vision. The vision has to carry over to the college level when the holes pinch a lot quicker. That's the first step for these guys. It's not just all about the physicals. There's been some tremendous physically talented running backs that once they got to the college game, they were a split second low to, slow to read the linebacker. That peripheral vision they had in high school, they didn't have at the same level at college because the holes pinch quicker. So if your vision carries over from high school to college, you're a dude to start. Then there's also, look, Bobby talked about this. I, I, we reported on it. Tashard Choice coaches these, this position. All these running backs don't come to college and keep their head up and eyes up on contact. A lot of guys drop their head and eyes. Well, if you drop your head and eyes, you don't see the next guy coming, so your contact balance stops at first contact, not second contact. So that is an area where Cedric Baxter's really improved in fall camp versus last spring. Now he's got his feet wet at the Power 5 level. His eyes are up on contact. We don't talk about it a lot, uh, but that's an important part of the playing the position. I mean, those are two things that aren't guaranteed, no matter how talented a running back is. And some guys, Bobby, never pick up the eyes on contact. And then they're limited in maximization of runs. Well, while we're on the subject of running backs, guys, we have a couple of running back-related questions here that I'm going to go ahead and get to. This first one from D Senior. He says, where's Jaden Blue? What are you all hearing on that? I, I basically he's in he's in the rotation, but at the back end of it is my understanding. Now Steve Sarkeesian could come out with a depth chart today, and all of a sudden Jaden Blue's number two. I, I would be surprised if that's the case, but it's entirely possible. Um, 
what we're hearing right now is Cedric Baxter has made a real move. When that happened or has happened, that obviously means somebody else goes down a notch, a notch, right? Well, Jonathan Brooks is going to get time. He's a junior, has shown well in his opportunities. Keelan Robinson certainly has a role on this team. So that third running back, you know, whatever it may be, is a real fight. And from what we're hearing right now, uh, Cedric Baxter likely has, has entered that fray and, and done pretty well. So uh, that's that's where Jaden Blue is. It's not a negative on Jaden Blue. It's just this is a competition. It is what it is. I, and look, and I, I could see Jaden Blue filling a role more similar to Keelan Robinson this year than necessarily being the go-to back, right, uh, as, a, as a boutique kind of player out of the backfield. And, well, and I think Blue's patience is going to be tested because Keelan Robinson's given him a pretty good blueprint. Keelan Robinson has an NFL draftable grade. Is Setter, is Jaden Blue going to be patient enough to be as good or better in that role? And I don't know if he's the special teams player, by the way, Keelan is. But as far as out of the backfield, because Jaden's really good in space. You could see him coming in in the Rice game against the Rice defense that has their hands on their hips and immediately making a big play. But his patience is going to be, uh, is going to be tested because Keelan Robinson returned. And so if he has patience, good things will happen for him. I think this next question from Shavan Patel says, Hey guys, since the wide receiver room is pretty loaded, will Sark still use the running backs in the passing game? Absolutely. Uh, it, it, Sark wants to put as much pressure on a defense for 60 minutes as possible. Um, and the only way to do that is be multiple in your formations, uh, spread the ball around. I mean, the one thing Sark said about the quarterback room is – ball distribution okay and that it means all possession all positions and there if your wide receiver core if you can stretch the field vertically this year which is what sark ideally wants to do then what does that open up that opens up your running backs short that opens up your tight ends in the intermediate game and the seams i think running backs can have bigger plays in the passing game this year if Texas establishes the field vertically early in the season, Bobby, I completely, completely. The first thing you want is those run, those linebackers thinking they have to get out for an RPO outside <clears throat> or a, a crossing pass, anything like that, where they have to take and get ten to fifteen yards out out, and then all of a sudden you dump it down to Brooks, Baxter, Robinson, and you've got a first down, right? I mean, we've talked about it. Texas needs to be more consistent on offense. You know, one of the ways to do that is get five, six yards and tossing the ball to, to a, a uh, uh, tossing a ball uh, to a running back for a quick gain. I I'm a big believer in uh, the use of the running back in the, the passing game. And that's one of the reasons why I think Steve Sarkeesian always picks up running backs that have good hands. Yeah. I mean, he's made that a prerequisite to play at Texas. Now let's do a super chat. Uh, this one's from any given Saturday, and want to thank him. He says, "What's our record look like last year if the clock rules are what they will be?" You know, maybe maybe a, an extra win or two, uh, in my opinion, guys. Uh, but uh, you know, I I don't know. I, Jerry, what do you think on this? Because I don't feel like it's like a. a I feel like it would have helped some. But wouldn't have wouldn't have been just unbelievable 
uh, in that p- particular way, right? I mean, I don't, I don't think it would have been a two-more-win team or something like that. No, I, I don't think so. Um, I, I, I think Texas – I don't think it would have had an effect on a game um, last year. I mean, you know, you think back two years ago, Texas OU game. Where Texas is up really early, does that change how Sark calls that game? And does that change the flow of that game at all? And Oklahoma, Oklahoma's uh, comeback ability. That's the key that I'm watching more. If you can have a 17-point lead in the second half, if you have the ability to run the ball on command when you want to, I think you have an advantage. Uh, That's the thing. I think there's two keys with this new running clock rule. The number one is first down run defenses. I think it's never been more important in college football. And two is if you can get up early and you have the ability to run the ball when you choose to run the ball, I think you can uh, work a game much better as an offensive coordinator. For sure. All right. Well, guys, I think we're finally ready for our special guest. But before we get to that, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody about the sponsor real quick. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We're more than happy uh, about our latest sponsor, Bird Dogs. Uh, The clothing apparel company is a real winner in my book. I really like their soft fabric shorts and khaki pants. The pants look professional, but feel a lot less stiff than the normal khakis. They even have cool fabric polos. Uh, I've worn them. Jerry's worn them. They're just terrific. Go to birddogs.com forward slash on Texas or enter promo code on Texas uh, for a free hydro flask like gift uh, with your first purchase, it's good for coffee in the morning. That's birddogs.com forward slash on Texas for a free free gift. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. Uh, they are really good apparel, guys. No doubt about it. And I am so excited about this guy. Oh because, man! Uh, let's let's introduce him, Blake. This is a <laughs> this is a Longhorn legend right here, guys. Yeah, I, I don't think he needs an introduction, Bobby. But he's a two-time All-American, Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year, first-round pick, four-time Pro Bowler, and the Kansas City Chiefs All-Time Tackler. Not to mention a Longhorn legend, Derek Johnson. Everybody, Derek, how are you this morning? I'm doing well. I appreciate the uh, introduction, my man. Uh, I, <laughs> as I was trying to get on, I was listening to you guys, y'all. Y'all, y'all, y'all talk real football. I'm enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> hey, that sounded like Tiger Woods on the first tee at the Masters, man. God dang. <laughs> 15 majors, 80 wins. All of that. I mean, there's nothing left to say. Man, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Hey, Derek, uh, we appreciate you joining us. A question for you this season. You've been mentoring the, uh, some players on and off the field this year and whatnot. Uh, but that's part of who you are. You like to mentor a lot of people. I mean, you have a foundation, uh, right, that, that uh, it's my understanding you replenish libraries at local schools. Tell folks a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm big on serving. And uh, um, uh, when, when as I grew up, uh, being a blessing uh, to others as, as God has blessed me is a big deal in my family. So uh, I, uh, I beautify uh, um, inner city school, uh, any inner city uh, elementary school libraries. Uh, we re- revamp them, beautify them, uh, doll them all up, put age-appropriate books in for um, uh, for these kids. And uh, at the end of the day, it's to raise the level of reading before they get out of elementary school so they can have a better uh, success rate 
uh, when it comes to uh, being successful in education. Education is the key when it comes to uh, low income areas. And uh, I'm, I'm big at that. My mom's a school teacher for over 40 years. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I grew up in a house with a teacher. So uh, that, that, that's that, that's my niche. And uh, now I'm serving, you know, doing some serving at um, uh, at University of Texas with the with the with the football team, which I am uh, really, really enjoying it. Gotcha. Hey, Derek. I we we would be remiss. We don't we don't want to get into the X's and O's of the football team because that that's kind of off 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 topic or a little bit or, or off bound out of bounds. But but what what I do want to ask you is as you got, went through it in in the process of becoming a freshman and actually playing as a freshman, you were one of those rare players that played as a freshman. Take us back to your mindset that first time when you were trying to go from you know being just on the team to actually being a, a, a competitor and maybe what you tell players that are similarly situated to what you were like you got to be ready to go I and mean, what are you telling those guys yeah I can still remember <laughs> when I was a freshman coming in uh, your eyes are wide regardless of you're a big time player or not University of Texas is a big big deal it's a lot of tradition here it's a lot of it's a lot of glitz and glamour at the same time uh, but but the grass is still the same, you know, it's still green. It's still a hundred yards. And uh, when you get out there in the middle of the field, even though it's, it's nice and pretty around uh, it's still old school football. And uh, I just uh, have to tell the guys, especially young guys, remember, this is fun. This is, this is, this is what you've been doing your whole life. So do that, do that. And then get coached, from, get coached from there because it's never perfect. Right. A lot of times uh, as players, we come in, we try to impress everybody. Man, I'm really good. I'm a freshman, but I'm trying to I'm trying to play and, and, and you're trying to be perfect. And you believe it or not, you'll never be perfect in football. That's the kind of a good thing about football. Uh, it's one of those things where you don't have to be perfect to dominate. Like you can still dominate and still get coached well and, and, and not be perfect. But uh, um, uh, at, at the end of the day, it's all about getting better. And uh, just trying to um, um, be a good teammate, just just learn as much as you can, especially as a young guy, man, you 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 want to get around some veteran guys. You want to get around coaches more just so you can know the scheme better so you can react faster on the field. A lot of times freshmen, when they come in uh, like myself at times, uh, um, well, especially in the NFL. But when I was here, I kind of I kind of got off to a good start. But usually freshmen they they're not as fast on the field or they not they don't show a big splash just because mentally they're thinking too much or they're just they're, they're not uh, um, 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 in tune with the scheme all the way so their ability physical ability is not um, being shown quite yet because the mental part has to has to go up Hey, you talked about I got I got to take I have got one Waco High question, okay? Because you talked about I have to ask. I've never been able to ask you, but I've watched it a lot. You remember the old recruits and review tape, right? You had thirty tackles <laughs> and four forced fumbles against John Tyler High yeah. in the playoff game. Is the I, only person you didn't tackle Alan Wilson in that game? <laughs> man, I do remember that. I, I yeah, I had thirty. I knew I had a lot because. Uh, uh, believe it or not, the week before, I think we played John Tyler or not, um, Tyler Lee, actually. Yep. And uh, uh, with Derek Former and those guys, I had 20 tackles. So I was like, man, I'm like, I'm like, man, this is this is cool. Like, I can get used to this. The next week we played John Tyler. You know, they have that that toss hammer play where you toss the ball and come downhill. 
Uh-oh. Can you hear me still? Yeah, got you. Okay. Everybody gets the ball. I mean, they had freaking 10 running backs. And I tell you what, man, uh, uh, I had a day. I had a day. I was on literally probably every tackle. But uh, that's my that's my strong suit. If you want to go sideline to sideline or in between the tackles, uh, I, I, I'll be there. Hey, I, I remember you jumping the snap count in the B-gap. The entire game, you were like when it says four force fumbles, you were taking handoffs. That's the difference. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you got you got to have a beat uh, on the snap camp. You you just gotta uh, pre snap reads are really really important to me. I earned it. I, I learned that at an early age, and I tell you what, it transitioned uh, from high school to college, college to the NFL. So I was very fortunate when it when it comes to pre snap reads, so I can anticipate. I was already fast, but if you can anticipate what's going on and react fast, you're going to look that much faster. Hey, hey DJ, a uh, question for you. Five days away, uh, you've been in this scenario to, to before, too. Like, you've you got to be chomping at the bit. Team's got to be chomping at the bit. What's it like five days out from your regular season start? The kids have been, you know, back when you were playing all summer, all spring, getting ready for the next five days. I mean, what's what's the feeling like in that regard? Oh man, so it's, it's a little bit anxious feeling, a little bit nervous. Uh, 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 you just uh, you, you want you want the game to come, just because you know this. Everybody, we've been waiting for this for a long time. Football is everything here in Texas, especially being a Longhorn. Uh, uh, but it, it's going to be a special feeling, especially for the young guys. I'm kind of I'm kind of um, um, interested to just to see how they take it all in. That's the big thing. Take it all in and enjoy the moment because it's a special special moment. I mean, uh, I believe burn orange and I tell you what, on Saturdays, it's, it's no better feeling to be a, be a longhorn on Saturday, Saturday afternoon. All right, Derek, we got a, a couple of questions for you real quick from some of the fans out here. This first one from Colton, he says, Derek, who is the toughest running back to take down during your time in college? Oh man. Oh man. I do not want to give this guy credit, but, <laughs> uh, uh, Adrian Peterson. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah, Hall of Famer. Uh, but um, uh, and he was a freshman, by the way, when I played him. So to tell you that, to let you know, uh, he was already a grown man, literally before he, you know, uh, got into the uh, college league. But uh, um, um, Adrian Peterson, um, uh, th- that person, he he probably stands out the most. I mean, you got Sproles. Uh, Sproles was really a lot different, obviously just a quick guy that you got to mind frame wise, you got to get a lot of guys around him. You can't tackle him by yourself. Um, uh, but yeah, it, Adrian Peterson and Sproles is probably guys that st- stand out the most. I'm sure some more are going to come to my head after I get off, <laughs> after I get off of here. <laughs> hey, Derek, I got a question to follow up to that because we're not asking about the guys on the team this year, but Texas lost Bijan who was as good a, Guy in short space, as you'll see, right outside of Barry Sanders, he can make four people miss in two yards, right? Yeah. But new running backs, Jonathan Brooks has some experience. Keela has some experience. We're not asking about them specifically. Mm-hmm. What makes a really good running back to you playing the linebacker position? Who are guys? What are the characteristics that impress you about a running back? Oh man, vision, vision, vision. You got to have vision because uh, uh, um. I, I play the opposite position. Like I, I'm doing almost the same thing without the ball. Right. My vision has to be just as good as the running back. So uh, uh, I like to say I have really good vision behind the line. 
uh, um, um, running backs have to have really good vision because we're flowing as linebackers. You got different holes popping open, different holes shutting down, and running back has to um, be really good at vision and actually pressing the line, actually using their linemen and not um, coming out of the stack too early or coming out too late, being able to set, uh, you know, make make the blocks right, make the blocks right, and. For a deep, I'm talking from a defensive standpoint. If if they if if they're setting it up like that, I gotta really play true to true to character and take on linemen and, and actually be have good gap integrity. But if running backs are are jumping out of gap too early or missing a hole or going too wide, for a guy like me, I'm like I'm not taking on this lineman. He, you're 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 not in phase, so <laughs> I'm going to go get you. So I think uh, um, uh, vision. Is the is the biggest biggest key keeping your eyes up, right? Keeping your eyes up, being able to go through the line and 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 and, and keep your eyes up and, and have good um, ball security. I mean, you you need to hold on that ball. That ball is is worth a lot. <laughs> All right, Derek. Before we let you go, I want you to tell everybody one more time about the Defend the Dream Foundation. Maybe what y'all have currently going on and how people can donate to the cause. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, um, um, you if, if you want to uh, um, donate to the foundation uh, that's really serving this community well. I mean, when you talk about uh, Kendra Scott and uh, COVID Cadillac, I mean, everybody's jumping on, jumping on board, uh, Giant Noise, the media company, everybody's jumping on board because they know they have a passion uh, for helping kids through uh, through education at the end of the day. But you can go to DerekJohnsonFoundation.org, DerekJohnsonFoundation.org. And, uh, the, you know, we can do more together than a part. So I really, really appreciate uh, Austin community just jumping all in and just helping kids in need through education. So, so thank you. Thank you, Derek. For oh, joining one us. more thing. Can I say one more thing? Yeah, uh, go ahead. Uh, um, I, I heard y'all talk about a, a margin hook. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a Waco guy. He's oh, from, yeah. yeah, he's from Waco. Hey, I, I, kudos, kudos when it comes to uh, margin hooks. He is that guy. Like uh, whoever goes trains with him, they are game ready. I, even if they're freshmen and people that are coming out or, or, or high schoolers, like this is this is real stuff. Like I know football, and uh, I've been watching him for a long time. So he's good. Uh, Mar Margin Hooks is is it's the real deal. He really is. <laughs> Derek, <laughs> thanks awesome. so much for joining us, and uh, good luck uh, to you and the Defend the Dream Foundation uh, guys serving uh, youth in uh, through education is just a, an admirable thing. Uh, Derek, thank you uh, from Longhorn fans everywhere for all you've done for Longhorns and all you continue to do as well. Thank uh, you. That's, that, that's Derek Johnson, uh, a Derek. Longhorn All-American. And uh, guys, frankly, one of the uh, best to ever play at the University of Texas. Uh, look, uh, if we see another linebacker his level in my lifetime, we're lucky. That's what I've always said. I've said the same thing about Casey Hampton as a nose guard. There are certain guys, if we see another guy that level in our lifetime, we're pretty lucky. That's what my dad said about Tommy Nobis, and then Derek Johnson came along. There you just, go. I mean, for, for that generational purpose, yep. just remember that. I, I, great, I, great guy. That, that guy, what he had instincts. There aren't many guys that I've watched, Bobby, that had the instincts, the physicality, and the elite athleticism, but the understanding of playmaking. I mean, that's why you're 
hey, he may be a Hall of Famer one day, right? That's what that ends up being if you stay healthy long enough. Hey, I want to say I want to say one thing right now. I I, I got to say this because I know we're going to get well. Why didn't you ask him about the team this year, mm-hmm. and why didn't you ask him about players? Um, Derek uh, Derek came on to, to wrote defend the dream, and we that is out of bounds. So we asked him about prior years and stuff like that. Uh, so he could also talk about defend the dream. Uh, so that's that's one of the reasons why why guys it wasn't because we were avoiding those questions or what have you. Uh, we wanted to take him away from his uh, any kind of a role he has there so that he could promote uh, his foundation uh, easily. So thank you all well, for somebody brought up Jeff Mo. Would his game transfer to today's game? I think it would. I think he'd be even better as a space player in, in the spread game of football college game. He would be the guy that everybody's like, oh, my gosh, here we got Derek Johnson this week. I mean, he would be phenomenal because of that speed and range in the spread game nowadays. I mean, he was already the best in college at linebacker, but he would be even better today. He caused OU problems. When OU was a spread team with Mike Leach and even Mark Mangino, he caused problems at Texas Tech. He he would almost be the ideal guy. And that's why he lasted so long in the NFL, by the way. Yep. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, hey, when we talk about about Anthony Hill wanting him to play in space for his NFL career. That's what we're, we're talking about, his development as a all-around linebacker with Anthony Hill. He's a great downhill player. You, They'll have packages off the edge for him. He may be the best natural edge pass rusher this team has. But for Sark and those guys in the development of Anthony Hill, you want him to play in space as well and in coverage and really round out his all-around game at linebacker. Well, let's get back to some questions, guys, and still plenty of time to get your questions in, so please do so. This first one from Andrew, he says, Blake, after the interview, can we have an update on Jalen Catalan's health? Hook on. I have not heard anything other than he's ready to go, and they're keeping him out every other practice to make sure he maintains his health. Now, if something's happened in the last 24, 48 hours, I simply haven't heard it, uh, but I know he was out there late last week. Uh, that's that's where it's at. I tell you what, guys, uh, Everything I'm hearing behind the scenes, Jerry as well, is he is a difference maker for the Longhorns. As in, maybe the best player, player, not prospect, best player on the team. Let that let that sink in. If he's healthy, Among Jalen Ford, yeah, Xavier Worthy, eight Kelvin Banks, maybe the best player on the team. He if healthy. He's the safety version of the guy that just in, we just interviewed. Made it on a play. Nine tackles in seven calls turnovers 
as a redshirt freshman at Arkansas in the SEC West. If he's healthy, that's the type of player he is. He's a playmaker that creates turnovers. It's very instinctive in college football. For sure. All right, we got a couple more Super Chats we need to knock out from earlier, guys. Uh, this first one from UT Boy. He just wants to tell everybody good morning. So good morning, UT Boy. Good morning, <laughs> Mr. Uh, Cook. <laughs> I was giving you a time to say something about Jonte. And then Edmund Lee says, good morning, uh, coffee and football from New Braunfels, Texas. JT Daniels will be sacked four times. It'll be 35 to 10 at half. Starters playing to the third quarter, and he's so ready for the season. Hook him. What y'all's thoughts on that? I, I mean, I think Texas fans will be disappointed if Texas gives up 10. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and some will be disappointed if it's only 35. Um, but if that's all offensive points, I think Texas fans will be okay with it. I, I, I could see the four sacks. Look, here's the thing with JT Daniels. One, I think they – the run – if it, Rice can't establish a run – on first downs, I think JT Daniels will get sacked four times in that game uh, because he is a pocket guy. And, and and while he's been the Dow four schools and played a thousand years, he's still a pocket quarterback. That does not change. If Texas can uh, stifle the run game early on, um, I do think they'll get a lot of pressure on JT Daniels. And despite his experience, I don't think he'll escape the arms and the speed of the Texas defense. <laughs> my, my, Hey, I, I want to say this, uh, 35 to 10 at half. I, If Rice scores 10 and it's not a pick six or something like that, I would be – I mean, this Texas defense, guys, they're supposed to only allow 20 points a game, 21 points a game. And I think they're better than last year, which they they only allowed 21 a game last year. So I, I, I think people are sleeping on the Texas defense a little bit. All the talks about the receivers, the quarterbacks, those guys, Texas defense should be pretty salty this year. And I want to say this. I'm very interested in the Rice game. I know we get a bunch of Bama questions, and we'll get into that here in a few minutes, I'm sure. I'm interested to see what Sark does offensively against Rice. Because you want to spread the ball around. You want Quinn to get in a game, um, get some build to some game momentum with A.D. Mitchell, uh, Whittington, Worthy, Sanders right out of the gate, right? And even Jonte Cook when he comes into the game and some of those other guys. But – I think Rice is going to struggle stopping the run. And Texas has to establish the run game. Uh, offensive line that's a year more experience, <clears throat> they're going to be, you know, Jonathan Brooks, Cedric Baxter's first college game, Keelan Robinson. You want to establish the line of scrimmage in the run game as well. So I'm very interested to see how Sark attacks Rice because I think he could score 60. But that may not be the game plan this week. Because they have to establish the run headed into Tuscaloosa. Well, let's take a question about the Rice game, guys. Uh, King Me says, more likely against Rice. Ewers with 68%, 250 yards and three touchdowns. Or Brooks with 15 carries for 100 yards, two touchdowns. Or both. Both. Well, if Brooks or Baxter, whoever it is, both. Bobby? I want 75% from Ewers against Rice. <laughs> I I look. I feel strongly that Quinn Ewers has to be a distributor early this year. That will open up the offense as the year goes on. So if he's a seventy-five percent distributor early in the season, and then as the season wears on, he can start opening up the offense even more. That to me is what we need to focus on. Uh, so I would say I hope 
He's 75%, 300, and two or three TDs. I don't care about the, the TDs as much as I do the completion percentage early in the season, especially against a team like Rice and Wyoming. Now, Alabama is a different category. Preseason before conference play, I want him to average 75% against Rice and Wyoming. And let's do one more Rice question, guys, from Lee Chadwell. He says, can you see Texas winning by at least 35 to 40 this week against the Owls? During the national championship year, Texas just went for the throat. They need to get back to that. I would think anybody on this uh, talking on this one this morning, we'd be pretty disappointed if Texas won by 35 unless uh, some big rainstorm came in that's not happening and really slowed down the game. I just don't I don't see that happening. I was just looking at guys. USC beat Rice 66-14 last year, and I know you don't comparative. I get it all, but how? What did USC do against um, against uh, Rice so well last year? Look, they only ran 58 offensive plays in that game when they produced 540 yards, 25 of 30 through the air for uh, 19 of 22 for Caleb Williams in that game. Caleb Williams is the leading rusher in that game. I think Texas is going to run the ball against Rice better than USC did last year. So I think that may could keep Texas from putting up a 66 spot, that in the running clock on first downs um, against Rice. But I think it could be a different type of uh, 550, 600-yard game for Texas, guys. For sure. Bobby, anything to add? 35 points sounds right. That that That's all I would say. And, and as far as this – Sark needs to live up to the moniker all gas, no breaks in order to continue to improve the execution of the offense so that when they go to Alabama, they're making the routine plays look routine. That's what needs to happen in game one for Texas. It's not so much about whether it's a 28 point win or a 35 or a, it doesn't matter to me. It's how well does the offense execute the routine plays early? Not the big plays. I think we'll see explosive plays. It's the routine plays. I want to see, like, I want to see them in sync is the best way I can put it. We got a great super chat question. Yeah, I was actually about to say this is going to make you happy. Jerry, lots of jerky here. It's from Brandon Morgan. He says, I played against Jonathan Gray in high school. He was the best player I ever played against. I thought he would be a first round pick for sure. Do you guys know why he didn't have a five-star career at Texas or why he didn't make it to the league? I'm going to go first, but I think Bobby and I'll have different answers, but it's going to kind of add up to the same conclusion. I remember thinking to myself, I can't remember a running back in high school that had surgery on both shoulders before he ever played a college game. And that's what concerned me with him is, are you going to have the same contact pop? Are you going to run with the same – physicality at the next level. I mean, two shoulder surgeries on both shoulders before college football is a tough deal. I mean, the shoulders are your lifeline as a running back. I mean, everybody says the feet and knees, but your shoulders, when you drop those pads on contact, if you're going to run through contact, your shoulders are so important. Uh, And then the other thing, Bobby, is Alito was a great team and he ran to daylight a lot. A ton. That's what I was His vision wasn't ever really tested in the high school level. I think and I'm not saying he didn't have really good vision, but if there's something I missed on watching him, that may have been it at the time a little bit. You almost wonder, and I and I Alito has been so good for so long, right? They, almost 20 years now, they've been a, a 
state power. Um, it's it's almost like are you do you overrate them some? Not all, right. some because they execute so well within the confines of their offense, right? Um, and I think Jonathan was, while he was talented, I'm not sure he was a top five most talented back as much as he was a top five most productive back in high school. Um, add in the injuries, I think I think he slowed down a little bit in college, maybe didn't speed up like some, like some were expecting. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know the whole reason why there. I do think that to Jerry's point, he ran to a lot of daylight. If you go back and watch the state championship game, his senior year, I think he had what six, five or six touchdowns that day. I don't know if like four of them he was touched yeah. prior to getting into the end zone. That so those kind of things they matter. Alito had a whale of a team that year. By and way. by the, and by the way, somebody said Achilles too. Obviously, at Texas yeah, that that slows him down. Yeah, that's what I meant by the in a high school level. To to add on the Bobby's point, we talk about quarterbacks all the time. I love to see quarterbacks play under duress in high school and not playing these perfect systems where they throw to their first read 99% of the time and the shotgun 100% of the time. I think that made Garrett Gilbert's development a lot slower at the college level. I think he had – not that he didn't know how to play the quarterback position, but in a sense he had to learn how to play the quarterback position a different way. Um that's where I think, you know, we talked about Arch all the time. Well, they don't want to state title at Isidore Newman. He played under duress every game. He's not seeing anything right now under duress that he hasn't felt at the high school level. It's just with bigger, faster guys. With Jonathan Gray, that will, which leads me to this, it might hurt him how good a team he played on in a sense because he did get to run the daylight all the time. He never had to see the holes pinch and get small. And jump cut and skip cut like running backs that maybe play on six and four teams that don't have great players around them. I think that set back his development as a running back a little bit, but then the injuries were big too. All right, guys, we're going to take a question from the Inside Texas Forums. And this was actually asked on Friday for today's show. It's uh, from Horns Up Denver. He says, which Alabama redemption story would you like to see the most in week two? Number one, Devondre Sweat gets a safety. <laughs> number two, PK calls Ryan Watts' number again in the fourth quarter, and this time he doesn't miss. Or number three, Keelan Robinson makes a house call, either on special teams or otherwise, in front of his old home crowd. I'm going to go D. A Texas quarterback makes it out of a game with Alabama unscathed. <laughs> We've had two in a row that I didn't like. I'll just put it that way. One of them cost Texas a national championship. Terry? Um, I would um, – yeah, I think four is the answer. But I think it would be very fitting if Tavondre Sweat made a big play late in the game if Texas wins it. That would be very fitting because uh, Texas got hosed on that call last year. And I'm not a big – anti-officials always hosing a team, but uh, that was a bad call, guys. It was a bad time. It almost It almost called roughing the pass, or excuse me, targeting. <laughs> and, I mean, what, you targeted his hip? I mean, yes. I, I, and you did it with your back? I mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, they're, uh, <laughs> I am one of those guys will, that will harp on officiating at times, Jerry, apparently. <laughs> so I apologize to those that, that don't want to hear that. 
All right, we got a question from Andrew Bolden. He says, Jerry, I heard you talking about a 25 left tackle prospect. You said he may project as a right tackle at the next level. I'm curious to know what you look for in determining where a kid may be a best fit among the offensive line. Well, if you're if you're a left tackle and you're protecting a right-handed quarterback's blind side, you have to have elite body quickness. That's the thing I've always looked like, reactive and body quickness for me. You don't have to be – look, Kelvin Banks is 6'4", 320. He's not Jonathan Ogden. He's not the 6'6", 6'7", guy. But he's got really high-end body quickness and reactive quickness. And then you have powerful hands with that, and you can stone some people and redirect guys. I think that is is big. It, it, what's interesting to me about, Bobby, about left tackle, right tackle is, and again, Kelvin Banks. Uh, and, I, and I'll say this. I should mention this. A guy like Laramie Tunzel we had in camps uh, back when I was ESPN uh, under armor and saw him in camps. His initial quickness, his body quickness, his reactive quickness were off the charts um, at, at that time. So he was just a high-level guy in high school. But I think, Bobby, it's interesting. The steps are different in left tackle and right tackle. And people are like, well, but I'll take you people back to Kelvin Banks. When he played in the Under Armour All-America game, I think all four tackles in that game were left tackles in high school, as most of the time they are, right? Somebody needed to go play right tackle, and Kelvin Banks raised his hand and said, I'll do it. Almost a Roshan Johnson move at a young age, right? Probably why this guy's a great player in a lot of ways. He goes over the right tackle, and he struggled in practice and he's number one or two offensive tackle in the country coming out of high school. He struggled with the steps, the different peripheral vision look to him. Everything was moving really fast for him at right tackle, but then he goes to left tackle and it moves slow for him. So I think the difference in left tackle, right tackle, if you've been playing left tackle your whole life, sometimes it's difficult from that peripheral once you get the right tackle, but more importantly, foot quickness, reactive quickness, body quickness at left tackle is a premium. Right, this next question is also for you, Jerry, from Champ Bailey 3. He says, who's the better running back prospect coming out of high school? Cedric Baxter, Jared Gibson, or Jordan Davidson? Y'all are going to get me in trouble because their parents are probably on here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, or the player. Um, let's see. Look, here's the one thing I know about Cedric because I saw him so much. And I need to go out the modern day. Um and I always say this about Cedric, sometimes it's more than what we see on the video. When I was at Edgewater High, he was out with a minor hamstring injury. And I remember Bobby, we did an interview with Cedric that day. And the guy was in the huddle engaged, helping his teammates for a two-hour practice. Five stars aren't always like that when they're injured. So he has the mental component. He has that love for football he, he's showing all the signs that you want to see from a five-star running back prospect outside the huddle tape for a Friday night. Um, I think Jordan Davidson, what I love about Jordan Davidson, I think Jarrett Gibson's got really good feet. Uh, he's got some contact power. He's a physical Florida high school running back. Bobby saw it in person. What I like about Jordan Davidson is how instinctive, natural he is carrying a football. You can watch his huddle tape. Going right, ball's right hand. Going left, ball's left. And it's pocketed perfectly. He'll even switch the ball from hand to hand in some runs. If you really dig, dig deep on the sum of his video, that's a very instinctive guy at the running back position. That has to be taught for a lot of guys. Jordan Davidson has it naturally. So you're not going to get me to say who I like. Rank these guys <laughs> one, two, three. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole on this live. But I think all three guys could play in the NFL one day. 
Bobby. There you go. <laughs> I, I, I look, I, I haven't watched those guys as closely as you have. Um, I will be surprised if one is better than Cedric Baxter. I'll, I'll just put it that way. Hey, I wanted to go to this one. I wanted to go to this one real quick, Blake. Yeah. Uh, this question from KD35, I am the best. Uh, so after the depth chart comes out and games begin, when is the portal officially open again that kids here from Texas or other schools might look elsewhere to play if they're not starting? December. Yep. Is the first one. So uh, now grad transfers can go at any time, guys. But right now it's December and then May. Those are the two windows of about a month apiece where players can put their names into the portal and then end up wherever they want to. So that's that's the one. Tempest Aduro has a question we may want to kind of address. Um, okay. There we go. Thank you. Uh, he says, Sark has been frustrated by the quarterback play so far. So if Ewers does not make plays downfield, then will he give Murphy and Arch a chance? I wanted to tee up Bobby. I don't know. I haven't heard that he's frustrated with quarterback. I was about to say, I haven't heard that either. Well, I, my, my thought here isn't so much that he's been frustrated um, as it, it hasn't been ideal to date, right? Um, and I don't necessarily, again, I'll say this, Tempest, I don't think it's going to be the downfield things that he worries about early. I think it's going to be getting the small things right underneath yeah, and moving the team and then develop the long stuff, right, over time. That's my take on it. Well, that's, I, that's what he will be frustrated with is a number of three and outs that were not – that, that should have not been a three and out because the quarterback didn't read something. The quarterback didn't distribute the ball correctly. I think that's what Quinn Ewers, Malik, and Arch will be graded on early in the season. Later in the season, when it comes to, uh, you know, live or die type games, that's a little different story. Hey, and I want to say this. Rod Babers brought it up on a live stream last night. Quinn pre-snap. That, that's the one thing that would – tee off Sark is if you're on the road at Bama and it's really loud. Remember Jackson Shifley talking about not being able to hear the play calls mm -hmm. at A&M. It's going to be that way at Bama in two weeks, guys. This is, I mean, you think Bama fans aren't ready for Texas to roll in there right now? Are you kidding me? So the pre-snap, Quinn can't get his running back killed. You know, he, he can't get himself killed. <laughs> okay. In this game, the pre-snap, is what would tick Sark off, I think, more than anything that happens within a play after the ball snap. Uh, by the way, the Duncanville quarterback, Keelan Russell, you won't find a bigger fan of 2025 Duncanville quarterback, Keelan Russell, and myself. I was there in the spring for a spring football practice. Easily the best quarterback Duncanville's ever had. And that gives them a chance to continue to be great, especially when you have the talent, that skill like DeCorey Moore and a couple other young wideouts, a tight end. Keelan Russell now has a chance at quarterback long-term. Well, you mentioned to Corey and Moore, so let's go ahead and hit this question from Corey J. Do you think Moore will stick with his commitment to LSU, went to the Duncanville versus South Oak Cliff game, and he was definitely the star on that night? Look, I mean, it, <laughs> DK Moore, if you're trying to cover him with one in high school, strike up the band, you're done. Um, he's really – he just – he's explosive but also a smooth mover, Bobby. Guys that are explosive and smooth movers at the high school level, that's scary stuff. Texas is still in contact. There's a long way to go here. Um, I think Texas, LSU, USC will be very much in this race. I know he's committed to LSU. 
We'll see what happens long-term with this. There's a lot of season to play out here. There's a lot of recruiting left through the whistle, especially in this recruitment. The one thing I'll say is I could be wrong. If that is his only commitment and that ceremony he did is his only commitment in his recruitment, I'd be a little surprised. I, I want to say this. DeCorian Moore runs. There are people that are light on their feet, and then there are people that are really light on their feet. Like Mar Marquise Goodwin, when he ran, he looked like he barely touched the ground. Yeah. DeCorian Moore looks sometimes like he barely is touching the ground. And and that that is just a different type of, of, of person there. Hey, we had this come up in our, in our chat last night on the live stream with Rod and didn't get to a similar question. Do you all think the 2023 Texas roster is more SEC ready than the 2024 roster, not counting transfer additions? Boy, maybe. Uh, on the defensive line, I think they will be. Uh, because they, they have a potential of losing three or four guys on the defensive front this year uh, going into next year. Um, but to, to Trey, your point, the transfer additions, I don't think Steve Sarkeesian is not going to go and get four to five players every year that he can put on his roster that will immediately uh, uh, push for playing time and or contributing. I think that's, that is a recipe for success for Steve Sarkeesian. He needs to keep banging that drum hard well, one thing i'm interested in with the portal does texas moving to the sec help them even in the portal or some guys that are looking for one year to impress nfl scouts the most is that a different message texas has in portal recruiting in the sec versus big 12 i'm very interested to see how that goes i mean not that texas didn't get five starter level players in the portal in this last class i just wonder if they're going to even have more interest playing in the SEC because we know how kids think about the SEC. All right, guys, we got time for a couple of more questions here. And um, this one from Randy Bobandi. He says, what if Texas does beat Bama and Tuscaloosa? What would that do to the program? Profile, Jerry, raise of profile, right? Yeah. I mean, in recruiting conversations turn, everything turns. Remember back when Texas beat Notre Dame at home? And Charlie Strong looked like he was on the precipice of turning the program around. Well, that team then went on and did not play well the rest of the year, essentially. And Notre Dame was overranked heading into it, we found out later. But how big does the profile change? How many game days are in Austin? Uh, look, I mean, if Texas wins in Tuscaloosa, what are you going to hear talked about? Nick's first home loss at night since 2015. And, oh, boy, his old O.C. Sark was the guy to do it. And then there's the, well, you know, this is the win that Sark's been needing in his career type of thing, right? I mean, all the things that are going to be said, oh, this Texas program, they just proved they're ready for the SEC. They Because you're not going to win in Bama without being a physical, hard-nosed, for 60-minute 60, 60 team. So if you go in and win that, what people, the Kirk Herbstreet and all the people on Fox and ESPN, what they're going to be saying is this Texas program is ready to go into the SEC because they just went in the Tuscaloosa and won a physical football game when Nick Saban had been planning for this since the end of last season. And all the recruits in the world that can make it to that game are going to be at that game. You know they're going to have at least 100. Oh, it's, it's going to be loaded. Kids from Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, that 
that uh, the stands with a recruit sits going to look like a on three industry ranking 300. Or an Under Armour All America game. I don't know what. <laughs> All right, guys, we got a super chat here. This one from Julian Serkin. He says, if you were struggles this year and Klubnik crushes it, does this impact how we view Sark as the quarterback guru? Both quarterbacks were in the same class originally. Um, I don't know that 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 one player is going to. He's passed on great quarterbacks before. Right. I mean, so every every coach has. You go out and get the ones that you can get. He did not actually get Klubnik immediately either. And Klubnik actually preferred A&M, it was thought, over Texas early in the process before Sark even got there. Ewers was a transfer that he got in December. Klubnik had decided he was going to Clemson back in the summer prior. So I, I don't think so, Julian. I, I get it, but there are going to be good quarterbacks from the state of Texas that go elsewhere. Um, the question is whether or not, uh, let's see, let's let's put it this way. The struggle part of Ewers, if that's real, then I think that we're going to see other quarterbacks play for Texas this year. Right. I mean, I they it's not like Malik Murphy and Arch Manning aren't talented. And so if Ewers struggles, I, I don't know that he has this unlimited leash. So we'll, we'll see. Good question. All right. Then last one for today, guys, that comes from Joel McWaters preaches sometimes. He says, does being too deep keep us from losing leads in the fourth quarter? Yes and no. Um, you know, other teams are going to be too deep. Uh, it's still, I think this, this whole discussion that we started today with kind of with the losing five and a half plays per team uh, per side, that's a series, series and a half of a game that can negate the value of depth at some level, especially in the fourth quarter. At, at the same time, look, I, I, and I've said it from from here, I've been saying the last couple of months, Texas has more depth and they have more. It's not just depth, though. It's quality depth, guys. When you guys see this team, they will look different than any team you've seen from Texas for the last 10 years. Jerry and I did a projected depth chart yesterday on, on Texas football. I mean, we have linebacker at number nine position ranking overall. I mean, linebacker has the big 12 preseason defensive player of the year in it. But we think that other positions have more talent overall long-term. And so uh, I don't know how to say this other than the, the depth at Texas is on the way it's it's looking the way it should. And I do think that it won't necessarily be in the fourth quarter. If it helps, it'll help more in games eight, nine, 10, 11, and 12 when other teams lose guys and Texas is able to uh, elevate somebody that the delta between player one and player two is smaller than it is for another team. You know what I think is the most interesting thing about this clock change or this rule change? These guys already had, these staffs already had enough pressure on them to keep guys from jumping in the portal. If you take five and a half plays a game over a 12-game season, you're sitting at 66 plays lost. So it's even more difficult now to get guys on the field and keep some of those kids in your program. That is the thing that's not going to be talked about on college game day probably, or during some of these games with that rule change. But that just added more pressure to these coaching staffs 
from a portal perspective of keeping guys happy to loaded programs because you're losing 66, 70 plays on both sides of the ball throughout the season. It doesn't sound like a lot, but a lot of those snaps are going to guys you're hoping stay in the program. Hey, what if they lost 66 plays and, you know, add, an, add a 13th game in the yep. regular season? There you go. Because that's a full game. Yep. I, I know they won't do that. I know they won't do that, uh, but the football fan in me would like to see more games, not less. So, for sure. All right, y'all. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Coffee and Football on, on Texas Football Today. Don't forget, of course, the Sark Presser coming up at 11. I'm sure all that coverage will be over on InsideTexas.com. Bobby, real quick, you want to tell everybody what, what you have planned for the rest of the day? Yeah, first of all, Eric Nalin, our publisher, posted some team scoop on Inside Texas. If you have a subscription there, uh, please go and read that. That should be interesting stuff from him. Uh, we have a special going on right now, $1 for one month. Uh, appreciate that. Also, uh, Lunch with the Coach returns today. I'm about to take that uh, with uh, Brian Irwin, two-time state championship head football coach uh, for the Lamarck Cougars. Uh, went up and uh, coached at Flower Mound, uh, other places in Central Texas as well. He's with us today at 12 o'clock noon. Uh, and then we have some other stuff going on. We've got our prediction shows coming on, Talking Ball with Rod and Jerry. Uh, a lot of stuff going on across inside Texas as well as on Texas football. Sark at 11, though. That's that's the biggest of all of it. Will he drop the depth chart? For sure? <laughs> <laughs> the million-dollar question for sure. Well, don't forget to head on over to InsideTexas.com, like we said, and then be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. We would definitely appreciate it. Ring the bell so you're notified of any time we post a new video, whether it's live, recorded, doesn't matter. It will let you know. And, uh, yeah, so that's going to do it for this edition of Coffee and Football. For Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning.